Thanks for tuning in to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Jennifer Akers, the Associate Worship Arts Pastor here at Rolling Hills Community Church. We're continuing in our series, One Voice, with today's sermon from Pastor Jeff. He'll be teaching from Matthew 22, and we'll be looking at our first four core values here at Rolling Hills. Love, reach, grow, and minister, and what those mean for our lives as believers. Now, here's Jeff. Uh, well, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It is so good to be together today, whether you're in person here at our Franklin campus or you're watching online from somewhere in the city, the country, the world. I believe that God has brought us here together to hear from him today, and I am so grateful and so thankful that you're starting your week, your day, your year off with the Lord and saying, I want him to be the priority of my life. And welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called One Voice. And, and I love this series because we're endeavoring in 2021 to listen to one voice. You know, we got voices calling out to us all the time, nonstop, right? News media, social media, our phones are constantly buzzing all the time. All this information coming to us. But are we listening to the voice of God? Have we learned and grown to the point where we go, you know what, I can, I can push away everything else, all the distractions, and I want to hear from God. What does God want to do in my life? Who does God say that I am? How am I growing in the Lord? And so that's what we're endeavoring to do. And then as one body, as one church, to speak with one voice to a world that's in need, to say, hey, we know Jesus, the hope of glory, that God has a plan or a purpose for your life, and that we get to share that good news with others. And so this is such a remarkable series and so important for all of us. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, uh, but there are some big football games that are happening today. So just, just FYI, just in case you didn't know, if you missed that memo out there, the Titans are not in it, so I'm a little bummed about that. But, but there is the AFC and the NFC championship games today. And, and all of those games, they feature big quarterbacks, good quarterbacks. But here's the thing about a quarterback, right? It doesn't matter if the left guard doesn't block, right? I don't care how good you are. You're not going to get many passes off. If your wide receivers can't catch because of the wind or the snow or whatever else, right? You're going to have a lot of incompletions. Your defense can't keep the other team off the field. It's a whole team. It's a whole team sport. It's a team game. It's everybody working together. And the team that plays the best is the team is the team that's going to win. Now, one of the teams that's in the NFC Championship game today is the Green Bay Packers. Any Green Bay Packers fans? All right. Got two. Way to go. All right. So got two Green Bay Packers fans, but that's great. Well, Green Bay Packers have had a history of winning championships, and they had one of the most famous coaches in football named Vince Lombardi. And here's something that Vince Lombardi did. In July of 1961, the Packers had just lost a few months earlier in the NFL championship game. They lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. They blew a fourth quarter lead. And so now they're in training camp. And so he's got 38 players in training camp. Many have just come off losing in the NFL championship game. Then he's got rookies that are there. And Vince Lombardi walks in. And he walks over and he picks up a football. And he says, gentlemen, this is a football. And you're like, really? Wow, we've been playing all of our lives, right? You know? And so then he pulls out the playbook and he starts going, page one. And he walks through how to block and how to tackle. And one of the guys is a veteran. And he like raises his hand and goes, Hey, coach, can you slow down a little bit? You know, I mean, we're falling behind. And coach just smiles, keeps going. And he's just like, page one, page two. And he takes all this, all this complicated plays and everything else, and he just boils it down. Here's the fundamentals. Here's how you play the game. The team who scores the most points wins. And all these people who've been playing football all their life, all these things, he comes and he just says, this is what it's really all about. I'm gonna bring you back to the fundamentals. 
And in doing that, I don't know if you know this, but Vince Lombardi then, they went on to win the NFL championship that year in 1961, beat the New York Giants 37 to nothing, and they won five out of the next seven NFL championships. Uh, Vince Lombardi never had a losing season because he kept coming down to, hey, this is what it's all about. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. The Christian life can get complicated. There's lots of things that are going on and you read all these laws and you look at all these you know, rules and you say, well, what am I supposed to do? And Jesus goes, let me boil it down for you. Here at Rolling Hills, we say this is our vision statement. A people of God reaching out, growing up, giving all. A people of God. And I want you to think about that, that we are different. We're unique. We're set apart. We shouldn't look just like the world. Our lives should be different. We are a people of God. We've been called out by the grace of God. And then we're called to reach out, not simply to come and sit and soak. That's important, being at church. But then we're called to be the hands and feet of Christ. We're called to see needs and to meet those needs and growing up to mature spiritually, to become all that God desires in our lives, in our marriage, in our homes, and who God created us to be, and then giving all. This is not a part-time commitment. This is not like, you know, a little afterthought. This is us being invested in our lives for God's glory. And Jesus goes, I want to tell you, and I want to show you how to live. And I want you to be all that God created you to be. Trust me. And watch this. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. So New Testament, if you're new to the Bible, it's the first book of the New Testament. Uh, also, if you need a Bible, we've got some Bibles in the back. If you're here on site, if you're watching online, you can go to the Rolling Hills app and find God's Word uh, there or on version. But I want you to see this today. So Matthew chapter 22, let me set the context for you. So Jesus' popularity is just exploding, right? By the time you get to Matthew 22, Matthew, in fact, was an eyewitness. He was a disciple. He was there with Jesus. And so all these people are coming to Jesus, and there is a buzz about Jesus in Palestine and in Israel there. Everybody's longing to be around Jesus, and they're saying, is he the Messiah? Is he the Messiah? Right? I mean, he's healing people. He's doing these miracles. He's drawing these huge crowds. And so the religious leaders, and that's the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the Jews, they were the ones who trusted in the Old Testament. It was all about the Old Testament. Well, they come together to test Jesus. And they start testing Jesus in Matthew 22 and kind of four to see who he really is. And so they throw this test at him at the beginning of Matthew 22. Uh, somebody says, hey, should we be paying taxes? Now, that's a great question, right? You know, and and they're, they're trying to trap Jesus because they go, if he says no, then the Romans, who are over everything at this point, right, the Roman Empire, they're going to come down on Jesus and go, right, you know, we're going to take you off to jail, right? But if he says yes, then they're going to say, well, what about God? So Jesus does this. He goes, hey, throw me a coin. And they throw it to me. He says, uh, whose picture's on here? They say, Caesar's. He goes, render under Caesar that which is Caesar, render under God's that which is God's. And they're like, whoa, this guy's brilliant. And he's like, yeah, he's God. Okay, you know, like, I mean, so you're seeing these tests that are coming. So pick up here, verse, 20, verse 34 of chapter 22. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. Now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the two religious groups, and they kind of made up the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish ruling council. And the Sadducees, and the difference between the Sadducees and the Pharisees is this, the Sadducees didn't believe in a resurrection. Uh, but Jesus has just affirmed the resurrection right before this. The Pharisees did. Jesus says, hey, there is a resurrection. After we die, you know, the candle doesn't just blow out. There is eternity. What you do here impacts 
eternity. And, and so the Sadducees, you can remember the differences. They don't believe in resurrection, so they are sad, you see. That's how you remember it, okay? So Sadducees and then the Pharisees, they get together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. So they're testing Jesus, right? See if he's the Messiah. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So you think about the entire Old Testament, think about all the rules, think about all the laws, everything there. What is the greatest commandment? How would you boil it down? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And they're like, yeah, that's it. See, that's the Shema. That's Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. That was the big verse for all the Jews, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. So Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, they've been carrying it around. They've been putting it on the doorpost of their house. Jesus says, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. They were like, wait, 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 what do you mean? I just asked for one. I just said, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus goes, yeah, I'm gonna give you bonus day. I'm gonna give you two because these two go together. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That was also in the Old Testament, Leviticus 19, 18. But Jesus takes and he puts these together. Love God, oh, and don't just love God, right, and be in your holy huddle. No, you go out and love others. You go out and love others. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everything in the Old Testament hangs on this. And Jesus coming and saying, guys, come back to the fundamentals. Come back to living as God wants and created you to live. This is what it's all about, love. So if you're taking notes today, I invite you, if you have a worship guide here at Franklin, to, to go ahead and pull that out. If you're online, you can go to the Rolling Hills app. And there's some things I'd love for you to get today because this is so important and foundational for all of us. First is this. Love is the defining characteristic of a Christian. It really is. I, I mean, when you become a Christ follower, right, as God draws you to himself and you make that commitment and say, I'm gonna be a Christian, and whether you were seven or eight or whether you're 20, 25, 30, or whether it was last Sunday, right, at some point you make that commitment to Christ. God places his Holy Spirit within you. And it tells us this, that the fruit of the Spirit, what comes out of your life, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against those things, there is no law. So the first thing in your life ought to be love. Love ought to be the defining characteristic for every single one of us who are Christ followers. Love the Lord, and I want you to notice this, your God, personal, right? Not just your countries, and not just you know, your, your, your families, not just your churches. Love the Lord, your God. <laughs> you have a personal relationship with God through Christ. Hey, these verses from Jesus are called the great commandment. They're called the great commandment. Now, if you go back, when you think about commandments, right, most of us would go back to the Old Testament, we think about the 10 commandments. And when you think about the 10 commandments, Jesus is taking this and boiling it down for us. Because if you look at the 10 commandments, the first four are all about our relationship with God, right? No other gods before me, you know, no graven images, not take the Lord's name in vain. You know, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. All these, these things are our relationship with God. But then the next six are all about our relationship with others. Do not steal, do not lie, do not covet. All those things. So God, others. You're right here. So he's taking these commandments and he's putting it down. You live a life of love. You grow in your relationship with God. There are 613 laws in the Old Testament. And Jesus boils them down to two. 613 laws. I mean, that's crazy, isn't it, right? I mean, there's 613 laws, and Jesus says, okay, you can spend all your time memorizing all those laws, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees did, or 
you can understand that it's a life of love and you can go and live it out. You can go and live it out. We are called to respond to God in love. John, the apostle John, was one of Jesus' disciples as well, and he writes over here in 1 John. In 1 John, he tells us in chapter four, verse seven, he says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. It's the very essence of who God is. And I think this is incredible. We ought to be all like, yeah, praise God that he is a God of love. Because a lot of people think God is a God of condemnation or God of judgment, right? God is a God of love and grace and mercy. It says that God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him must be saved, that we would have this relationship with God. And this is what makes Christianity different than the other major world religions. See, if you go back and study other major world religions, then you've, you've got people who believe that there's a God who's unknowable or unpleasable or unapproachable. And, and that's why it's all about works. If I can do enough good things, maybe, maybe somehow I'll please God. But Christianity is not about what we do, it's about what he's done. And that God has come to us in love. God compels us and draws us to himself in love. It is about a relationship and not religion. And we said that last week, but I don't want you to miss that because we can easily go back and make it about religion and that's what the, the Jews did. They would take these 613 laws and then they would say, okay, well, I've got to keep this law. You know, and like one of the laws is, you know, don't cook a young goat in its mother's milk. That's a, that's a law in the Old Testament, right? And so out of that, they would be like, you know, there wasn't the compassion that, you know, God put in that law, but but they just saw that as, I don't want to break this law. And so, wow, we need to keep these things separate. So then all of a sudden, the kosher, you know, kosher kitchens and kosher, all that developed out of that one verse. Why? Because I don't want to break the law. And what Jesus is saying, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. That God wants a relationship with you. And religion is safe for us, right? I showed up for church. I get a check mark. Brought my Bible. I get a double check mark, maybe a star, right? Hey, 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 I have my phone. It's on my mobile device. I got a check mark. I went on U version today. And, and that's great. But all of that ought to be leading us into a deeper love for God. All of us, not just to get the check marks, but how can I know God more? How can I love him more? How can I serve him? And so God's word grows me deeper so that I can have a deeper relationship with God. Wow. And they got stuck, so many people in religion, and people still get stuck in religion today when they miss the God who loves them and who loves us. That's why John writes this again in 1 John. He keeps going in chapter 4, verse 16. He says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And so are we growing in our love for God all right, grow in your love for God. Grow in your love for him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, once you see that, all is three times, right? It's everything in you, your, your heart, your passion, your soul, your desires, your mind, your thoughts. Am I thinking about God? Am I growing? Or did I just accept Christ when I was seven or eight and then kind of check it off and go and live my own life? No, am I growing in my relationship with God? All your heart, all your mind means everything. <laughs> everything. 
Like everything in my life, I start to live for the glory of God. All the desires, all the passions for the glory of God. It's not an afterthought. It's not a side hustle. It's, 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 I am passionately pursuing the Lord. Hey, God doesn't want to be second place in your life. God doesn't want to be second place. Sometimes if you really think about it, you look at your heart and you go, what do I really love? What really is my passion? What really is my desire? What really is driving me through the day? Is it God or is it other things? And sometimes it can be money, right? And we, we can fall in love with money. Money's not a bad thing. I mean, man, money could do a lot of good. You know, I mean, it's, it could be awesome. But, but the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Because <laughs> I put money on my heart. Maybe it's a relationship. I got somebody else in my heart. And my desires, my thoughts, and my passions for them. And that's not bad. I mean, you want to have great people in your life. But, but I want to put God there. I want him to be the love of my life. Jesus said this. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. Jesus goes, I'll take care of everything else. You just keep God first. You hunger after him. Hey, things that are alive grow. (laughs) Things that are alive grow. Uh, You know, we have a family dedication time today at three o'clock, and it's gonna be awesome. We've got a a lot of babies at church that have been born during COVID. So we got a lot of babies coming, you know, a lot of, we're gonna have dedication. It is so sweet. And, and there's parents here today and, you know, they're the ones that are kind of falling asleep because they gave a bottle at two in the morning and they're trying to stay awake. So good job, I'm glad you made it today. You're doing great, you're doing great. But the thing about it, I'll just tell you guys, is this, is that those precious babies grow up fast. They grow up fast. My daughter's now 16. I'm like, how did that happen? I mean, like, what is going on, but things that are alive grow. They mature. (laughs) We know that physically, but do we know that spiritually? See, in our lives, we ought to be growing. I don't want you to be in the same place a year from now that you are right now. I want you to grow. I want you to mature. I want us to grow deeper in his word and, and deeper in our love for God and more passionate, more excited about our faith. And say, God, what do you want to do in me and through me that we're growing in this relationship with God? Things that are alive grow. Hey, take a daily step in your relationship with God. Last week, we talked about taking the next step. That we're constantly, you know, hey, take a step of baptism. Take a step of joining God in his church. Take a step of going on mission trip. Take a step of sponsoring a child. But you're always moving and growing. But there's a daily step. You know, if you have a best friend, and then you don't talk to that best friend for a year or two years or three years or four years, you're not gonna be as close, right? If you're your best friend, you're gonna talk to him like every day. You're gonna be like, call him, hey, what's up? What's going on? You know, you want to have that kind of relationship. That's the kind of relationship God wants with us. And so we come on Sundays and we get fired up and we study God's word and we just get to be in the truth. But then take a daily step. Tomorrow, I just encourage you, uh, we have a Rolling Hills app, and there's a daily step on there, and we're reading through the book of Ephesians right now. Ephesians chapter five is right now. And just say, hey, in the morning, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna read Ephesians five, or I'm gonna read Ephesians six. I'm just gonna start this relationship with God. I'm gonna spend some time in prayer. I'm gonna pray. Maybe that's not a, a daily habit for you, but man, in 2021, to say, I wanna make a daily habit of spending time with the Lord. I wanna make a daily habit you know, if you go to a buffet, remember we used to have buffets? Those were so good. Oh, man, what happened? 
Goodness gracious. So you go to a buffet, right? You, you pig out and it's awesome and it's great and you just have this great meal. But it doesn't mean that you go, okay, well, I'm full. I'm not gonna eat the rest of the week, right? No, you're hungry the next day too, you know? You might not eat as much, but you're gonna eat a little bit and that's the church. You come here and we just like feast on the word of God and we're, we're in worship, we're praying, we're in community and fellowship. And that's why it's so important for the body to gather. But then you still wanna eat tomorrow, right? You still wanna get a little bit in here. It tells us in 1 Peter, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Once you get a little taste of God, you go, okay, I wanna grow in my relationship. I wanna grow with him. I wanna take a daily step. I wanna mature. Man, I love that. I love that. Hey, are you growing in your love for God? Are you growing in your love for God? None of us are perfect. Let's be honest. We're all on a journey. We're all at different places. It's a work in process. But am I growing a little bit more? Do I love God a little bit more? Am I trusting him a little bit more in my life? You know, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul was one of those religious leaders. He was. He was one of the Pharisees. That guy, he knew the Old Testament backwards and forward. He could beat all of us in Bible trivia. I mean, like, he was just like domination. I mean, like, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And then he meets Jesus on a road to Damascus. And his life is forever changed. Right? He writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, he says, guys, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. I, I, before, I was all about knowledge, and it's important. Being in Bible study, studying God's word, right? I go to seminary, I mean, it's awesome. But, but it shouldn't just be for knowledge's sake. It should be for us to love better. And then he comes to 1 Corinthians 13, and the apostle Paul says, I want to show you the most excellent way. Because if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm simply a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I have faith that can move mountains, Right? If I give all my money away, if I give it to charity, and if I give my body to be burned like as a sacrifice, but I don't have love, I've missed it. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. And he goes on to talk about love. He says, love never fails. And here's this guy later on in his life who, who's been there, who's been about religion, and he, he realizes it's about a relationship. And look what God's done in my life, and look at the opportunity I have to love others. And this joy, and he says, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest, the greatest, the greatest is love. So are you growing in your love for God? God, I want to know you more. God, I want to serve you. God, I'm yours. I'm not perfect, but, but God, I'm yours. Hey, Jesus takes and he, he couples that, right, with growing your love for others. Grow in your love for others. Love your neighbor, <laughs> Love your neighbor. As a people of God, our lives should look different than the world. See, the world sells us this cheap imitation of love, right? The world sells lust, and it sells. I mean, pornography is billions and billions of dollars because it's lust, right? Lust is, uh, what can you do for me? How can you make me feel? And it's a cheap imitation. Love is, what can I do for you? How can I bless you? How can I encourage you? How can I love you? The world's love is conditional, right? Hey, you respond the way I want you to, I'll love you. God's love is unconditional. Even if you don't respond the way, I'm gonna still love you. I may not agree with you, but I'm still gonna love you. I'm gonna love you. It's love. 
there was another guy, a religious leader, and he, he's trying to test Jesus, so he comes to him in Luke chapter 10. And, and this religious leader comes and he says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus goes, well, you're a religious leader, right? You know the commands. And he's like, yeah, 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 you know, I mean, love the Lord your God, right? And I've heard you say it, love your neighbor as yourself. But the guy, it says, wanted to justify himself. So he says, well, really, who's my neighbor? Because I got my holy huddle over here. I kind of like these people. And, and I really don't want to branch out. And I feel like it's just us anyway. And, and so really, who's my neighbor? And Jesus responds with one of the greatest stories ever. Jesus goes, well, let me just tell you this story. There was a guy going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's about 15 miles. And, and Jerusalem's up here, Mount Zion. Jericho's down below sea level. So this is a, you know, the elevation change. And you've got big rocks and mountains. It was called the way of blood. Because when you were on there, robbers would jump out behind rocks, they would beat people up, they would take their stuff, and Jesus goes, there's a guy going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he falls in the hands of robbers, and they beat him up, they take his stuff, and they leave him on the side of the road. And Jesus goes, and then a priest comes by, and the religious leader's like, yay, my people, right? And the priest goes by, and he sees him, but he doesn't stop to help. He, he walks on by on the other side. We don't know if the priest was late for a meeting, or we don't know if, you know, what, he was, like, I don't want to touch blood, but... He just went on. Then a Levite comes by. And the guy's like, yeah, he volunteers at the temple. This guy's gonna be good. And he sees him and Jesus goes, and then he walks on by. Now maybe the Levite thought, oh, it's gonna be a trap. Right, I'm gonna go help him. They're gonna beat me up, so I'm just gonna go on. And then Jesus goes, but a Samaritan. And now the Jews hate the Samaritans. I mean, they just, they just hated them. It was terrible. It was prejudice. It was racial. It was all this just junk. And, it was, and Jesus goes, but then a Samaritan comes by. And he sees the guy and he takes pity on him. And he gets down on his knees and he bandages his wounds and he pours oil on him and, and wine and he takes care of the guy. He puts him on his donkey and he, and he takes him to an inn and he tells the innkeeper, hey, keep him here and, and nurse him back to health and I'm gonna pay you for him to be able to stay here. In fact, I'll come back and check on him tomorrow. Jesus goes, which one do you think's a neighbor to the guy? And that religious leader goes, well, I guess the one who had mercy on him. Jesus goes, yeah, go and do likewise. That's what I'm calling you to do. That's how I'm calling you to live. You see, as Christ followers, we're called to love. We're called to love all people. And that should be different, different than the world. Hey, learning to love God and others happens in the context of community. And Jesus took these 12 disciples, right? And they were learning there. I believe this is why God gives us marriage. We learn to love in marriage. There's a great book called Sacred Marriage which says this, that God doesn't just give us marriage to make us happy, but to make us holy. Think about that for a moment. Well, we all wanna be happy in marriage, right? And that's great, but what if God's given us marriage to make us holy? And you and I learning to love in marriage, to love our spouse, to love them radically, to care for them. You know what, to be there, to have a great marriage. To say, I wanna, I wanna pray for you, I wanna encourage you, I want us to have a, a great marriage, a marriage that'll last. My prayer for all of us, we're married, right? If you're married today, we'd be married 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. And we have a great marriage that gets better over time. You, you know the words, I love you, they're not implied, I'll just tell you that. You've gotta say them, and you gotta live them. Say them often. We, we learn to love our kids. Are our kids gonna remember that we love them? 
We, we learn to love people in our church, in our community. We, we learn to love in context. That's why we encourage people to be in a, a, a community group. We have group link today. Get in a community group. Get in a men's group. Get in a women's group. Why? Because there's encouragement in there. There's accountability in there. How am I growing in my love for God and my love for others? It happens in the context of community. Hey, look, a great commitment to the Great Commission, which we talked about last week. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. And the great commandment that we're talking about today makes a great Christian and makes a great church. <laughs> I, mean, I love that. It's all of us on the same page. It's us just saying, hey, we're gonna love God, we're gonna love others. We are gonna love radically and we're gonna love well. Love everyone always. <laughs> That's our motto here. We're called to love. We're called to love everyone, even people who don't agree with us. And we need to speak our minds and speak truth. But there might be people who disagree with us, but we love them anyway. We love everyone, and not just when it's convenient, not just when it fits into my timetable, always. I see a need, I'm gonna meet it. God prompts my heart, how can I help? God lays somebody on my life, how can I text them or encourage them? How can I pray for them or pray with them? I'm gonna love everyone always. There was a guy who started coming to our church a while back, a few years ago, and he, man, God just started getting a hold of his heart. He is a successful guy, grown up in church, but kind of off and on, and, and then he you know, has a healthcare company, and like happens a lot of times in Nashville, you know, he sells a healthcare company, and so he made a lot of money. He said, okay, I'm gonna retire. Here I am, in my early 50s, I'm gonna retire. And he's thinking about playing golf and getting a beach house and kind of you know, doing that thing. And then God just kind of captures his heart. He started seeing all these young men who were growing up and poverty and in Nashville and going through really hard times. He said, we gotta do something to help. We got together, we started praying and he, he talked to the YMCA and started talking to the state and saying, what can we do, what can we do, how can we make a difference? And he started a ministry called 413 Strong. And he takes guys that are coming out of these rough neighborhoods and coming out of prison, coming out of drugs and, and he takes 15 to 20 guys and, and they, the state gave them dormitories to live in, downtown Nashville, and, and he takes these guys and, and he spends these you know, 90 days with them and once a quarter he takes 15 or 20 guys and then the next quarter another 15 or 20, another, and he takes a 40 day challenge, which he learned from church, and he, he helps them grow and he helps them learn God's word, he teaches them discipleship, he teaches them job skills, he teaches them financial training, he teaches them how to love and he helps them get jobs. And now over the years, hundreds of guys now have been trained and are working in companies all over. And these guys are realizing, hey, I had kids. Some ki I didn't even know I had kids. And I'm going back and I wanna be the husband. I wanna be the father that God created me to be. Because one guy said, listen, I wanna love. And church, you come alongside, and many of you have taken meals, and many of you have prayed, many of you have helped disciple these young men. And, and that's the church being the church. And whether it's Margaret Jane Strzelecki at the Path Project or Paul Schmitz with Shower Up or Jennifer Ransom in the Bridge Ministry or Steve Norris with 413 Strong or all the ways that you and I minister, we do it together. And we say that the world needs love and God is gonna change hearts and lives through love. Man, that is radical when we begin to live out what God calls us to do. So are you growing in your love for others? Are you growing in your love for others? Again, not that you're there yet. We're all a work in process. But spiritual depth isn't measured by, if I know the 613 laws in the Old Testament, spiritual depth is measured in how I love. 
And as we go to Bible study, as we go to seminary, as we study and we grow deeper in the knowledge, are we growing deeper in our love as well? And maybe God's going to call you to adopt a child or foster a child or sponsor a child or go on a mission trip or, or serve with one of these ministries. I don't know what it is, but I just want to encourage you and challenge you and implore you, love. Because Jesus said this in John in 13, he said, by this, all men will know you're my disciples if, if you love one another. And the way we love each other, the way we love in our marriage, the way we love with our roommates, the way we love with our children, the way that we love in our community, the way that we love in our church radiates to a world that there is a God who loves them. He is a God of love. And so are you and I, are we growing in our love? Are we growing in our love? And then look at this, grow in your understanding of how much God loves you. Guys, this is a game changer right here, right here. Grow in your understanding of how much God loves you. See, when we talk about love your neighbor as yourself, a lot of times you see the great commandment, we talk about love God and we love others. But if you notice here, there's something subtle, but love your neighbor as yourself. They were actually called to love ourselves. And loving others like you love yourself is a high standard. You know, when we see a need that we want to meet it, like it's not just, hey, I'm going to flip the guy a $5 bill that he's lying on the side of the road. I really do want to help him. I really do want to bless him. I'm going to call my community group together, my friends together. We want to help take care. We want to do something because I would want that in my life. If I was that guy, I would want somebody to love me that way. We love ourselves. We take care of ourselves. We clothe ourselves and buy clothes and food and all this stuff for us. It's a high standard to love that way. But it also means this, loving others this way requires a healthy love for yourself. And it's not narcissistic. What it is is this, is that we realize that we were made in the image of God and that we are fully loved. And when I have that healthy view of what God has done for me, then I can love people. See, here's how it translates. When I meet somebody now, Man, I can love them, even if they don't agree with me. When I look on Instagram, I don't have to sit there and compare myself and say, wow, I'm doing pretty well. Oh, man, they're going through a bad time. Oh, so sorry for you. I'm moving ahead of you somehow in my mind. No, I can love you. And I can realize that God loves every single person. And I have enough self-worth and value because it's based on who God says I am that I can truly love and not judge. I can truly offer grace. I speak truth, yes, we always do, but I also offer love because of what God's done for me. Guys, are you growing? Are you growing in your understanding of God's love for you? You see what this means? This means this, every morning when I wake up, I think about the cross. <laughs> every morning when I wake up, I think about the cross. And I think about that God sent his one and only son and he came to this earth and he died on a cross to pay the price for my sins. I'm not perfect. Oh no, I made so many mistakes, but I am redeemed by the grace of God. I have new life by the grace of God and therefore I can love by the grace of God. I can love my wife. I can love my children. I can love even my enemies because God loves me and I can turn around and love. I can turn around and love them. Jesus says, greater love is no man than this than he laid down his life for his friends. Do you realize that somebody died for you? The God of the universe gave 
his son for you. You are loved that much. Live in that truth. Live in that truth. And when you share that truth, man, we would have to blockade the doors if we went out and began to share the love of God with others because people are longing for love. People are longing for hope. People are longing to say, hey, I've messed up in my life, but there's a God who redeems and a God who restores and a God who forgives and I can have new life in him. And God, listen, all of us, all of us one day are gonna die. We don't like to talk about it, but the mortality rate is 100%. Every one of us at some point. And I pray it's when you're 90 or 100 and you've had this great life here, I pray that. But every one of us, and here's the question, what are people gonna remember about you? Long after your trophies and your achievements are all gone, what they're gonna remember is how you loved. My grandparents, man, they loved each other and they loved me. They weren't perfect, but, but man, they loved me. My parents, they, they loved me. My aunt, man, oh gosh, she loved. So kind, so generous, just loved. My boss, he was so kind, he loved me. They lived this life. Are you known by your love? Are you known by your love? I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today, but I know this, God's here. And God brought you here for a reason and for a purpose. Maybe right where you sit, you go, Jesus, I need that love in my life. Forgive me of my sins, redeem me, restore me. I want to be yours. And I want to live a life of love. But maybe a day you, you confess. I mean, you've fallen for the world's cheap imitation. Maybe pornography's got a hold on you or jealousy or gossip. is just eating you alive. And stop today. Stop, please. Confess it. Maybe a day you even feel in your marriage that you're starting to drift. And today you go, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to love my spouse. I'm going to love her. I'm gonna love him. I want us to have a great marriage. I want us to have one that lasts for years that people look and go, wow, look at that, 50 years. Maybe a day, you know, there's some tension with your brother or your sister. Maybe there's some tension with your child. Today, you just go, God, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna love. So Father God, here we are, your disciples gathered in your name, and Lord, we admit that we, we make things so complicated sometimes. But when we look at the gospel, it's just your gracious love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we didn't have to get cleaned up and get perfect. No, no, no. You met us in our brokenness, our hurt, our pain. You came, you forgave, and you loved. And so let us be like that. <laughs> Let our worth and our value come in knowing that we are loved and forgiven. And let us be people who love like that. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen, amen. 
Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.